The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. A debt deal moving forward. A bill advancing to the House floor. Former SEC chairman Jake Clayton tells us progress is promising. I'm optimistic that we actually had this debate. Gary Cohn, formerly director of the National Economic Council, also says things are looking up. You never know what can happen on the House floor, but it feels to me that we will get a bipartisan vote tonight. As all of the leaders have said, we need to have a bipartisan bill. And major U.S. CEOs are making the rounds in China. Why it's high stakes for the likes of Jamie Dimon and Elon Musk with APCO's Jim McGregor. This is what all CEOs are doing. You're walking a very fine line between Brussels, Beijing, and Washington, D.C., and trying to get through this minefield. Plus, two bumpy earnings reports, Advanced Auto Parts and HP, both surprising Wall Street. You even call it tech, though. It's Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is out today. First up today, Mr. Chairman. Six to six, what should I do? (laughs) I. Finally, progress, real progress on the stalemated debate to raise the U.S. debt ceiling before a catastrophic default. The bipartisan bill crafted from weeks of negotiation passed its first hurdle Tuesday night, the House Rules Committee. Without objection, the committee's adjourned. Seven to six. This was a narrow vote, with all Democrats and two Republicans voting against it. But it was just enough to advance this legislation to the House floor. So what's in the bill? The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office has estimated that capping spending will reduce the deficit by $1.3 trillion over the next decade, with another roughly $200 billion saved on interest payments. But expanding SNAP eligibility, even with new work requirements, costs over $2 billion more. Now, the House votes today, Wednesday, and if Republicans come through with 150 votes, as party leadership has promised, the Democrats would need about 70. White House Budget Director Shalonda Young said this to CNBC. All I know is when you enter into good faith negotiations, you don't negotiate to see a bill posted. You negotiate to make sure it gets to the president's desk uh, and we'll fulfill our part when it gets to the president's desk. We do got to pay this stuff. because now, now, next time, if you want to try and reverse some of the stuff, get more Republicans elected, not uh, just look, from your district. The, the problem becomes, though, with gerrymandering to try and make Republican, uh, Republican or Democrats have either more way. and more control on either side of these things. And the other problem is the primaries. You have a particular voter who's going to vote in every one of the primaries. And that's why you get more and more extreme characters who come through this. It's, you know, they will point to those two reasons. The answer to, to electing more guys from or gals from your party isn't to be responsible for a default, for a Correct. default. Correct. So, Correct. you know, you can push it, push it, push it, which it, we know McCarthy had to push it 
pretty far to get to get to where we are here. And the journal's got a, another piece today on, you know, trying to bring back some uh, impetus to work, to work you instead mean, you of mean getting a bill passed to begin, to begin with. What do you mean? What? McCarthy had to push it pretty far. No, no, he had to push it just to get Biden to come to the table and, sure. to, and to extract anything. Sure. You know, they're calling them terrorists, and we don't negotiate with terrorists, and this is ransom money, and just all the, you know, all the posturing that we had for 90 days. So he finally comes to it, and, and there are real things here that were extracted, not as much as uh, as some of these guys want, but the, it's, it's the, the other side's it's not the House furious bill. too. Right. It's not the House bill that was passed, but anybody who thought that that was going no, to be that wasn't. the opening salvo, or you know, or the, the finished product was well, was we can you know mistaken. get the debt. It's a negotiation. Get the ceiling raised, and then we can start arguing again. And there's an election coming, and and everything else. So let, we'll settle it there. But at this point, you know, we you know, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but we do pay our bills, even though I don't like the bills that that were run up. But but right. you know they get some give, yeah it, it get some you know get a majority in the Senate then and make right. sure it doesn't happen. Kind of a I don't know kind of a depressing look into old tech shares of Hewlett Packard Enterprise are lower earnings of 52 cents a share was above uh, expectations of 48 cents but revenue fell short a couple of hundred million at least uh, looking for 7.3 billion and uh, the company reported uh, 6.97 billion. Revenues uh, from the company's high-performance uh, computing and artificial intelligence segment, that was up 18%. It, it includes some AI models, system used to train AI models. But revenue from the compute segment was down 8%. Storage revenue down 3%. And then looking at the other uh, part, this HP Inc., that was HP Enterprise, also falling. Same story. Earnings of 80 cents a share were above expectations, but revenue uh, was below. The company said it weathered a slump in PC and printer sales, uh, in part uh, due to cost-cutting uh, efforts. But you can imagine uh, weathered is, is all relative because PC sales were down 34% uh, in the quarter. Printer sales, of what you also think about with HP, down 5%. Again, that's the stuff that got pulled forward during the pandemic when pulled everybody was working now, from home. And comps are hard. Yeah, comps are hard to come up against. Is it, do you even call it tech, though? At this, when we talk tech and the NASDAQ and how great it's doing, we're really no, not, not talking, talking about, about HP, no. Enterprise, or Inc. Shares of advanced auto parts tumbling after the company reported a big miss uh, for profits below expectations. Earnings at 72 cents a share, much worse than uh, $2.50 that the street was expecting, even though revenue was basically in line at $3.42 billion. Comp store sales fell 0.4%, and the street was looking for a gain of 0.5%. The auto parts retailer slashing its dividend to $0.25 cents a share, uh, down from $1.50, also cutting its guidance for the full year. I just was looking at what a complete mess it, uh, it really is. And it was a $212 stock not too long ago, so it was already, before today, cut in half. I don't uh, understand exactly what they're, uh, they're talking about here, but uh, obviously the revenue wasn't that, uh, that bad, so it was a margin uh, issue that they're citing. But for the year, we didn't mention just how much they had cut. I mean, they missed expectations by a mile for the quarter. It was, uh, it, it almost, the, the reason I looked into it more closely was it's like, did we miss a, a special item? Because right. they earned 72 cents and they were supposed to earn. 226. 226. 
Yeah. And that sounds bad, but then you look at... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, 226 a year ago. The analysts were yeah, looking for 250. 250. Yeah. And then for, for the year, the, it's, uh, it looks like every, you know, it's not going to get any better for six the next three quarters. Six to 650 versus... Versus 1020 to 1120 that they had previously projected. And they, you know, if you, were buy, if you had it because of the dividend, it was $1.50 uh, before. Now it's 25 cents, so that's an 83% cut in dividend. And, you know, it's an interesting market to the professional uh, mark, auto parts market and, and stuff. And they just said that um, margin were hurt, margins were hurt by moves to narrow the competitive price caps. So obviously they were getting undercut and they were bring the product down, killed their margin in the professional sales channel. Uh, in an unfavorable uh, product mix, but uh, I mean, it, it is a situation where people are keeping their cars longer because new and used cars have been so expensive. Yep. So people are trying to keep things fixed, not necessarily traffic hurting them here, but but it was a, I mean, it, it had it was a pretty high flyer. I mean, it went all you know, it went from 80 all the way to two, almost 220. And now it's just made the, the the round trip all the way back down to 80, which is painful, obviously for shareholders. Coming up, gearing up for a key congressional vote on the debt ceiling deal. Former SEC Chairman Jay Clayton on the progress that's already been made. The solution had a bunch of things that we all recognize as true. We've got a spending problem. We have a labor problem. And McCarthy was very smart to put those things front and center. And former director of the National Economic Council, Gary Cohn, on why fiscal policy progress seems so slow. At the end of the day, your job as president or as a congressional leader is to get reelected. It's very difficult to take things away from the general population and then say, please support me and vote for me. That's all up next on Squawk Pod. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Up and Becky, here. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick. Yes, you are. Along with Joe Kernan. That's me. Hairdo. Yeah, hairdo. Andrew is off today. Maybe I'm tan. Maybe you can see the white. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm tan. Can you see the gray a little better or something? Yeah, I okay. think that's what it is. It's not a new hairdo. It's just in the sun. Hairdo. Moving on to the story of the day, really, of the week, the month, the Fiscal Responsibility Act what it's called. It's heading to a key vote in the House later today. Join us now to discuss the latest on the debt ceiling negotiations. Former SEC Chairman Jay Clayton, he's a CNBC contributor uh, and non-executive chair of Apollo, uh, an American Express board member and a senior uh, policy advisor for Sullivan and Cromwell. All right, that's it for this interview. Uh, we're out of time. Uh, wow. You're, are you busy? 
Gary Cohn's here. Not as busy as Gary. <laughs> Gary Cohn's here, too. He's vice chairman. He's only vice uh, chairman of um, IBM, former National Economic Council director. You've made sausage uh, real time. I mean, you're a Goldman, and things were easy then, weren't oh, they? Oh, yeah, really easy. Really easy. <laughs> Until you yeah. got into to politics itself. Anything that, that is just earth shattering in this latest debt ceiling vote for you, or, or we've seen this movie before? Who wants to start, Gary? I think what's earth shattering is they got it done. Is you it going to be done? How many, how many days, weeks, and months have you sat here in yeah. this network and in this room and talked about the catastrophic effect of not getting a debt ceiling deal done? That's all we talked about for literally this last, I don't know, three months. Everyone talked about how bad it would be. And people questioned the ability of the White House and the Speaker to be able to sit down and get a deal done. So I think what is the most important thing to start out with is we have a deal. We have a deal. Okay. Got through the rules, rules Committee last night, going to the full House floor tonight. Yeah. I, look, you never know what can happen on the, on the House floor, but it feels to me that we will get a bipartisan vote tonight. As all of the leaders have said, we need to have a bipartisan bill. If you listen to, uh Hakeem Jeffries, or, or actually the president himself, um, they, he was really definitive that he wouldn't negotiate anything but a, a clean debt. What do you think happened behind the scenes? Did, did the, the reality that some of the, the he'd be the first president that, that ever had the default, the debt factor in it? Because he became the old Joe Biden, didn't he? The dealmaker, Biden? Well, I, I think it's pretty simple. You know, until the Republicans could come up with their own proposal that they could get through the House, the there was no reason for the White House to negotiate. Yeah. The White House was taking the posture as I would have advised them to, or anyone at this table would have advised them to. Look, you have to pass a debt ceiling increase because all you're doing is passing legislation to pay for things that you have agreed to spend right. in the past. So if you can't if you legislate for that, it's not my problem as the White House, it's your problem as Congress. Right. Once, once the Speaker, once McCarthy got together with his caucus and they passed a bill that would raise the debt ceiling, all of a sudden the tables turned. The Republicans had a solution to the problem. The, Republican, the Democrats did not like the solution. It sort of forced them to come to the realization that, okay, the Republicans have put a solution on the table the ball went from um, their court to our court. Now we're for, forced yeah. to respond. And, and the solution had a bunch of things that we all recognize as true, which is we've got a spending problem. Um, we have a labor problem. That's one of the things that's driving inflation. And the, McCarthy was very smart to put those things front and center. And I think the American people, um, particularly the people in the middle, said, you know what? These are reasonable asks. You mean the work requirements as well? Yes, absolutely. And, Right. I would, I mean, I'd, what I'd say to the, the, the part of the Democratic Party that doesn't want to do this is, look, it's not going to kill you for COVID funds to do that. That's not a bad thing. There's, you know, it's not going to kill you. Some of these things are, are, you know, you shouldn't just dismiss them out of hand. To the Republicans that say it's not enough, I would say win some elections. You didn't have the presidency or the House or, or this. And all this has already been passed while you were there, you know, twiddling your, whatever you're doing. So at this point, you know, let's, let's, let's move yeah, forward. And, 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 and on that, moving forward, the second order effect of this is what are the things that are going to drive growth in America? 
because whether you look at it from the right or you look at it from the left. Government spending. We need growth. And, <laughs> and, and a bigger Wait, government. Actually, no? No, no, no. Actually, to your point, if, if you told the two of us you were going to spend $9 trillion, let's pick any number, in you know, early 2020, we'd say that you'd have 5 or 6% growth. Now, you'd have an inflation problem, but you'd have crazy growth. One of the questions we ought to be asking ourselves is with all that fiscal stimulus, how come growth is pretty anemic? What's your, what's your guess? What's, what's my guess? Yeah. Look, we, ha we have the same problems that we had in 2019, 2020. And, and, it's, and it's pretty simple. We, en energy independence, we can deal with that. Immigration and labor, they go, they go together. And housing. You know, we have two, we, have, we subsidize the heck out of housing at the federal level, but we restrict the heck out of it at the local level. We have, what, five million? I mean, we, you, you guys did a lot of work on this. We have five million too many, too, too few homes? Yeah. At, le at least five million too many too few homes. Exactly. We, we're we're encouraging people to to create homes. We're one of the very few countries in the world that would even think about allowing financial institutions to create a thirty-year fixed mortgage, which is a dangerous, dangerous instrument. But we still don't have enough homes, even even with allowing the financial engineering to make homes more affordable. How do you fix that? Because the home builders themselves all kind of reined things in, didn't want to be caught in the position they were caught in back in 2008. Well, it, it, it's a little bit of what's in this bill to some issue. You know, the home builders are, are happy to build homes. The whole permitting process and the environmental review and the cost to be able to get a building permit today is, is extraordinary. So the amount of time and effort it takes for you to build a house before you can even go to the piece of land and, and, and take down the trees or put a basement or put a foundation in is extraordinary amount of time sink. If we had more surety of execution where you owned a piece of land and you said, look, in six months or 12 months, I can have a house built on this piece of land, I think you'd start seeing a lot more houses built. The problem is if I say I'm going to build a house or I'm going to build multifamily on that land and you in your building windows a year, but your, your regulatory window could be X years, and X could be five or six or seven years, and you're carrying the land. It's not that great of a return on investment. Yeah, and, and look, we have, a, we have very nimble capital markets, incredibly nimble capital markets. We actually have a regulatory state that is getting less and less nimble, whether it's mergers, whether it's permitting for energy, whether it's housing, and those two don't match up. That's part of our problem. So we're at, at uh, just going back to our problem that's staring us in the face. We're, we're at, what, 120, 130% uh, debt to, to GDP. Never been here before. Yep. Interest rates going up. Mester just said they're going more, <laughs> and they probably are. So I'm trying to figure out how much that's going to cost uh, for, for debt service and what, what that leaves us to be able to spend for the growth that, that you both say we need. It doesn't leave a lot, lot for growth. So we still got problems, and, and, we, and no one will touch entitlements. And the, the political picture isn't, isn't improving in terms of uh, the two sides that much or the divisions in the country. Is anyone ever going to touch entitlements? Well, what do we do? And, and, and Joe, it gets substantially worse. And, I, and I'm not trying to be dramatic here. I mean, if but you were at Goldman and this was a company, if you were back, back in your old, you'd be like, oh my God, yeah. I, I, I either get out of the stock or I don't even want to represent these guys. But the, and, and the last piece of the puzzle that we have to start recognizing is the Social Security Trust Fund. Mm -hmm. The Social Security Trust Fund is in its last 10 years or less of being funded, which means we're going to have automatic uh, decline in funding in, in, in payments to Social Security uh, recipients. The guy you it's, real, for, it's really stipulated he didn't what help. happens. President Trump did not help, has not helped with, with entitlements, right? Because then he gives cover to, 
You know, the Democrats don't want to touch we, them. Now, we're we, we've had no president that has really helped with entitlements in the modern era. At the end of the day, you, your job as, a, as president or as a congressional leader is to get reelected. It's very difficult to take things away from the general population and then say, please support me and vote for me. That said, the, 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 the calculus to get reelected and the calculus to run a financially responsible country, the intersection of that may be the null set. You know how we, we still hear that socialism is the way to go, we just haven't done it right yet, but uh, you know, next time it might not kill 100 million people, it might actually work, might be a good deal. Just I'll take the other side of that. Yeah, I'll take yeah. the other side of that too. But also MMT, I've got people still telling me that the dollar is the reserve currency of the world and that it, 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 no other currency comes close, so we have the ability to print as much as we want and we're gonna, it, it's never gonna, we can print prosperity. We still have that people that, and, and pretty respectful, Stephanie, whatever, Kelton, whatever. I mean, I've seen this posited that MMT will work. We just haven't done it right. Like I said, I'll take the other side of that. <laughs> yeah. But going back to your credit point, it's not just the refinancing, it's the provision of new credit. Because when people are pulling back on credit, um, it goes to both places, which again is, is, is you know, gonna have an impact on growth. You know, if, banks are, if banks are pulling back, how are, you, how are you going to generate growth? Well, that's, that's an issue, too. So are you optimistic about the American dream? Well, look, I'm, I'm optimistic that we actually had this debate. Yep. Like Gary said, for the last three months, we've been talking about what's going to happen here. And we've actually had a real conversation around these issues. And the American people stepped up. That's so why McCarthy that's, is, is stronger or, or weaker after all this? I think he's stronger. And you don't see a, a so, challenge? So here, I, I, I agree with Jay. So, so we've had this debate. The American public is coming out the winner. We're coming out the winner. A little because, bit, incremental. No, we're coming out the winner. We're not having a default. Yeah. We're going to see the normal. Great. We're going to see the normal distribution of political views tonight. I think. You're going to see the two extremes vote against the bill. You're going to see the fat middle vote for the bill. You're going to see it come from both sides. You're going to see Democrats and Republicans both support the bill in the middle. Yeah. And you'll see this total normal distribution of political views in this country. Right. I think everyone's going to realize, hey, we can probably get things done. And those people, they, are the ends of the bell curve getting wider? They're getting a little fatter. They're, they're definitely noisier. Tell me it's about. a lot noisier at the ends than it is in the middle. We know that. It probably is getting a little fatter. But what you're going to see is they're going to be well over 218 votes in the middle. Yeah, and what, what you really like is that those people in the middle all agree that we're spending too much money. Mm -hmm. Which is a... That's, that's a good thing. That, that is pretty good. You got something? Yeah, um, just want to say Harvey Pitt, good friend of mine, former SEC chair, good friend of this Frequent program. Frequent guest of the Frequent program. Guest, wonderful man, uh, passed away. Um, really cared about investors. Put investors first. Understood how important markets were. I haven't seen that anywhere. No, I don't want to. Look, I don't want to get ahead of the family, but I, I thought, you know, given given his public profile, it was uh, appropriate. Just he was he was a dear friend and a and a great public servant. He was a frequent guest here. Too. Yeah, it was. somebody we went to often. Right. Try and get smart and insightful and fair, reasonable. Give you what he yeah, thought. You know, exactly. ask him a question, I'll give you an answer. Very sorry to hear that. Yep. Thank you, Gary, Cohen, uh, and Jake Clayton. Cheese will be next. Coming up next on Squawk Pod, American CEOs traveling to China for the first time since the COVID-19 pandemic. Why it's important for leaders in tech and in banking. Jim McGregor joins us. He's China chairman for APCO. 
For Jamie Dimon and J.P. Morgan, this is kind of their redemption tour. You'll remember in 2021, uh, Jamie Dimon said that his bank would outlast the Communist Party. You can imagine that was not well taken. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Joe Kernan. Tesla CEO Elon Musk is in China this week, his first trip in three years to visit Tesla's Shanghai plant and meet with government officials. And J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon uh, takes a stage at his uh, bank's China summit today. He's calling for uh, real engagement between policymakers in Washington and Beijing instead of uh, just sitting across, in his words, sitting across the Pacific yelling at each other. For more on what CEOs and Beijing officials want from each other, let's bring in uh, Jim McGregor. APCO Worldwide uh, Greater China Chairman. I don't know what, when the last time uh, we saw you, Jim. I, it was pre-balloon, I think, th- pre-balloon gate. Um, you know, we've got, we've got lots of concerns. You know, the, the, the country, China, is obviously uh, front and center in terms of, of, of trying to further its own interests, like we do, too. But whether buying farmland around a lot of our, you know, defense uh, facilities. That some of this is troubling, but I don't see how disengagement, they're going to do it either way. We, we, we need to be over there, don't we? In, in, at least in terms of, for example, Tesla or Apple or, or J.P. Morgan. Yeah, well, let's start out um, with Elon Musk. I think this is his, if you look at him coming to China now, it's kind of his somebody likes me tour. You know, he's not the most popular guy around the world, but in China, he's revered. People on the internet um, uh, are telling him a global idol. He's looked at as kind of a, a fun version of Einstein by people. Uh, when he met with Foreign Minister Chin Gong on Tuesday, um, the Foreign Ministry came out and said that Elon Musk described U.S. and China as co-joined twins, and he did not want them to decouple. He himself has made no public statements that I've seen uh, during his time in China, but he, uh, you know, he wants to expand there, and China loves him because he brought in. The, the advanced uh, supply chain for electric vehicles that their companies are now benefiting from. So he's he's been very helpful to China. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how long, if his market share will last for many, many years, or if, if this is his best time. We don't know yet. Um, for Jamie Dimon and J.P. Morgan, this is kind of their redemption tour. You'll remember in 2021, uh, Jamie Dimon said that his bank would outlast the Communist Party. You can imagine that was not well taken by the, by the, by the party. This conference is a big deal because it's the first one in many years, in three years. But um, it's also um, not the most high profile. There's only a couple of American CEOs there. A lot of the people there are regional heads and analysts and lawyers, etc. So you don't have a big turnout. Kissinger, of course, will be speaking uh, virtually and some others. But um, this is not a whole lot of CEOs returning to China, even though they are starting to, to, to come in. But, you know, let's look at the tone of the conference. This is this is Thursday's agenda. These are some of the the events ready for renewal, China macro outlook, building re- resilience in China's healthcare system, 
vast quantitative opportunities for in the China A share market. So, um, you know, they're working. He's working to put a very positive spin on on China. At the same time, and this is what all CEOs are doing, you're walking a very fine line between Brussels, Beijing, and Washington, D.C., and, and, and trying to get through this minefield. And, and, and Jamie Dimon has been very uh, adept in, in, in his wording, at least. He said, we're, we're here for the citizens of the country in the good times and bad. Right. But, Jim, he also I I listened to an interview he gave to Bloomberg and he also was pretty outspoken, I think, more so than any of the other CEOs you point to, whether that be Elon Musk or Tim Cook or beyond. I mean, he said these were his words on this. I am an American patriot. He said, I am a red blooded, full throated capitalist. And he also said that he would always choose national defense first, being an American patriot. If, If his country tells him to do ABC, he said he will. So that to me, actually, that was more outspoken than I've heard from anybody else. Yeah, well, he, you know, they're, they're all trying to figure out how to walk this line. And, you know, you say you, you say you say you're looking back at Washington the whole time you're in Beijing on what you say. But you're also looking at, uh, you know, the Zhongnanhai, the Chinese leadership, and you're trying to say positive things about both and maintain your integrity and your 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 positioning in both countries. It's it's not easy, but everybody's doing this right now. I mean, he makes a point. Yeah, I'm here for the citizens of China. We're all, you know, we want to, for our own self-interest too, sell into that market. We want to help. But then again, some of the stuff the CCP continues to do is just totally inexcusable. And we've got all our companies, you know, we've got Disney in Florida doesn't like, you know, a a duly passed law and and squawks about that, but says nothing about Uyghurs. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot of hypocrisy, plenty to go around. Uh, Jim, in terms of China? Well, you know, the big the big issue here is that business has gone from being the bridge between China and the U.S. to being the battleground in many cases, especially in technology. And 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 um, CEOs are trying to get their head around this. And you're right. Those ra- those raids that happened have also um, scared uh, a lot. Of, you know, there's a number of CEOs have told me they're 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 afraid to go to China. Members of Congress a couple of weeks ago I was talking to were saying the same thing. So that's scary. You got yeah. this China. China courting people, right. we're also scaring them. All right, Jim McGregor uh, at APCO Worldwide, thanks. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You can tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and get the best of our TV show in about 30 minutes daily when you follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. And we are clear. Thanks, guys. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.